Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. So good morning. I'll start with the chant. Om Masatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Jyotirgamaya Mrityorma Mritamgamaya Avir Avir Maiti Rudra Yakte Dakshinamukam Te namam pahinityam Om shanti, shanti, shanti From the unreal lead us to the real From darkness lead us unto light From death lead us to immortality Reach us through and through ourself and evermore protect us from ignorance by thy sweet, compassionate face. Om peace, peace, peace. So the topic today is Blessed Are the Pure in Heart, which, of course, is a quote from Matthew. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The whole aim of all of our practices is to purify the heart. The four yogas are all practiced for this purpose so that the heart will become pure. And when our heart is really pure, we will see God everywhere. We will become one with God because in purity, our divine nature shines forth from within. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Purity is defined as a state of not being mixed with anything else or the fact of being clean from all harmful substances. If we try to think about purity, what do we think of? How can we visualize it? One way that I was thinking was of a lake that is from melted snow in the, high in the mountains and that is so still that you can see every rock in the bottom of it, or you can see the reflected sky up from above in the water. I remember once going out on a boat in a lake that was still like that, and the sky was had white fluffy clouds, and when I looked down, it was like the sky also was beneath me. It was so pure, it was so reflected, that it just looked like, we were floating in the sky. Or you might think of it as the vastness of a clear sky that reaches out infinitely forever. Or light, a bright light that is so pure that it consumes everything. All these are ways that we can visualize in our hearts what purity really means. It comes from the Latin word purus, meaning clear, clean, unmixed, chaste. When you're talking about something that is clean and unmixed, you're talking of something that is characterized by purity. It can also refer to one's own intentions and character. 
The soul's purity is its original and eternal form and nature of being clean and free from vices or negativity. Among the soul's seven original qualities, it ranks first as being known as the mother of peace and happiness. Other than peace and happiness, bliss, it is generally accepted as the mother of all the other eternal qualities that are sometimes identified with the idea of soul, such as love, power, knowledge, and even mercy. These all come from purity. When a monk meets another person in North India, they say, Darshan Safai, is your vision clear? This greeting means that everything depends on how we look at the world. To see the pure existence of God behind the multiplicity of things of the world, that's the angle of real vision. Beyond all name and form is God's benign existence, shining brighter than gold through everything that we're looking at. It was Kierkegaard who first published a book in 1938 by the title, Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. In this book, purity is understood as right willing, that is, willing the good or what God wills, the one thing needed in Jesus' words. What he thought was the one thing may be different than what we think, but we also believe purity of the heart is to have one thought, and that one thought is God. It's to will one thing, namely God's truth in everything that we do. The aim of a pure heart is to align itself with the truth of God and magnify the worth of God. If you want to be pure in heart, pursue God with utter single-mindedness. Purity of heart is to will that one thing to become one with God. Purity of heart is to know the one thing and see God in all beings and in everything. Peace is in the purity of God's presence. Being pure in heart involves having a singleness of heart toward God. It has no hypocrisy hypocrisy in the heart. Sometimes we put on a false face for others, and even for ourselves, we try to fool ourselves to make our heart and our lips one, is to be pure. It's marked, the pure heart is marked by a transparency and an uncompromising compromising desire to please God in all things. It's more than an external purity of behavior. It's an internal purity of soul. There's a spiritual eye of wisdom, they tell us, between the two eyebrows. And when its vision opens, a fountain of joy is released. The whole universe is seen to be merged in bliss. We see God everywhere. Only an unconditioned happiness that we can guarantee is in the purity of your behavior. Independent of space and time, it's beyond alteration. 
When you've had even a glimpse of this type of happiness, your belief in goodness becomes becomes unshakable. Compassion and love come naturally to you if you're pure in heart. Other people can totally trust you, and you can totally trust yourself. You lack nothing. What is the proof of God's existence? The seers say, I have seen him. You also can see him. When Swami Vivekananda asked Sri Ramakrishna if he'd seen God, the saint replied, Yes, I see God more clearly than I see you. The true spiritual vision brings lasting bliss, and the mind is aware of the truth of the vision. There's a certainty that comes with it. Swami Brahmananda tells us that behind this mind of ours, there's a subtle and spiritual mind existing in seed form. Through the practice of contemplation, prayer, and japa, this mind is developed, and with this development, a new vision opens up, and the aspirant realizes many spiritual truths. Unless the heart and the mind are pure, the vision of God does not come. The nature of the mind can be changed by chanting the name of God. Gradually, desires and doubts cease, and the mind dissolves into its causality. Then there is none to think or imagine. Waves of desire in the mind show that the mind is active. The mind becomes purer only when it becomes waveless, like that clear water. The power of God descends on the pure mind, or it comes from within the pure mind, and only then does one realize the self that is behind. Always remember that to the pure mind, all things are pure. You may see many aspects of God and many spiritual forms, or you may see an ocean of light or a steady flame. There's no end to this God unfoldment, this knowledge of the infinite existence infinite bliss, light, more light. Is there any end to it? Again, Maharaj tells us, when the mind becomes absorbed, a shining light is first experienced, then the mystic vision. And with this vision, there comes a kind of higher and nobler joy. The mind is reluctant to give up this joy and move onward. But if the aspirant goes further, the vision of light will become concentrated into the form of the chosen ideal, and the mind becomes merged into that consciousness. End of quote. Swami Shivananda says, the more you try to enter within yourself, reaching the innermost recesses of your heart, the greater the light you will receive. Light cannot be found anywhere outside. It's all within you. The mother, the embodiment of life, is light is within every heart. She is within me. She is within you. She is everything. She is in everything, from Brahman down to the smallest insect, in the movable and the immovable. Pray to Mahamaya, the firstborn. 
She holds the key in her hands. The realm of light will be opened up onto you, and she can graciously unlock that door. She alone is the source of the entire universe. We have all come from that mother, and eventually we will all merge in her again. That primordial energy, the power of Brahman, is beyond the reach of mind and intellect of ours. She manifests herself in the pure mind. Man cannot reach or understand her through spiritual disciplines alone. She's self-luminous. It's her consciousness that makes the whole world conscious. Hold on to that mother. She's within yourself. It is she who will open the way to the light. Dive deep within, and you will discover that light. That's the essence of all the teachings. Be resigned to the mother. Pray to her earnestly, crying like a child and then you will discover the light. A Christian might say, if we desire a perfect heart, a pure heart, we must ask for it, as David did. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. We have to gain the courage to face our real selves and take a hard look at our own true motives. We're not fooling God. The chances are that we're not fooling as many people as we think either. We have to be willing to open our innermost beings to the thorough searching of God without fear in simple faith. We must let God examine and change our real motives, because he can change them. Purity of heart deals with motives and hidden purposes. The writer of Proverbs says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. We often don't know ourselves the inner workings of our own hearts. We need to look within. Paul says in Corinthians, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. To see God is to be brought close to him. When we lose all sense of separateness, egotism will go and the mind will become single or pure and only God will be there. The mind is also like a mirror. When it's clean, it gives a perfect reflection. But if it's covered with dust, no reflection at all. The more you can wipe off the dust, the better the reflection you'll get. Every mind can be a reflector of eternal truth, but the simple mind reflects it more clearly. The more you can remove the least trace of dust from the mind, the more you can get a perfect image of your true self. And what is that dirt that hides the image? Selfish desires. When the surface of the mind is calm and clear, 
the self is perfectly reflected. Sri Ramakrishna said, God is knowable through the purified mind. The pure mind is Brahman, he said. The practice of purity in its different levels is important. Everyone who has this hope of God in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That again is from the Bible, from John. Some levels of purity can be physical or external, such as food. This may include the food that you eat. There are those who think they should be vegetarians. But it could also mean the type of food eaten and how the food is cooked, or even he who cooks it. It could be in the clothes that we wear, too. One of the things that helps sustain a level or degree of purity of the soul is soul consciousness. So simple and clean clothes that do not pull the mind and the senses to the body consciousness and to impure visions and impure thoughts are safeguards to purity. It could be in physical cleanliness. An old saying is cleanliness is next to godliness. Maintaining physical cleanliness cleanliness contributes to creating a pure and good atmosphere. It could be in celibacy. Purity is not just observing celibacy on a physical level, but to be constantly celibate means to be free from the impurity and tension too, to be free from lust, not to think of yourself as a body at all. Then there are more subtle levels of purity, our thoughts. Our thoughts are said to be the food of the mind. So whatever we read, whatever magazines, newspapers, books, whatever we listen to, watch on our computers, the gossips we're listening to, the TV, the theater, all have a great influence on bearing what, on the bearing of what we're thinking in our minds. And what we say and what we do reflects this. Oftentimes they become the raw ingredients that constitute the main diet of our whole thinking process. So we have to be careful of what we eat through our senses as well. Words. The words that we speak are audible expressions of our thoughts, which, as we mentioned earlier, are greatly influenced by what we read, watch, and listen to. Depending on the content and manner in which we speak them, the words we say can have a great impact and influence on other people as well. Such as positive words that uplift and bring happiness to others, and even those which may direct, be direct and firm, yet are said to be gentle, objective, or sweet in manner, may help sustain the consciousness and experience a purity. Here's one idea. To speak what is only true, necessary, and helpful to others. If you take this as a guideline, you'll find much of what we say is unnecessary as well. Man's mind generally works in the three lowest levels. It travels up and down amongst these. Food, sleep, sexual pleasure. 
it does not generally rise up even to the plane of the heart. If it does, one will get a vision of light. It's the light of knowledge. Swami Brahmananda says, the way of steadying and purifying the mind is to retire into solitude, control all cravings, and engage yourself in contemplation and meditation. But know this, there is no greater guru than your own mind. When the mind has been purified by prayer and contemplation, it will direct you from within. It becomes the guru itself. Have intense love for God, and the mind will always remain tranquil and pure. Later, when the mind has attained perfect purity, you will have but one desire, to devote yourself to contemplation always. Because the mind is gross, it runs after gross things. But as it becomes pure and subtle, it will run after God, the pure consciousness. You will truly seek God. Swami Triyananda says, the pure portion in you is God himself. And Sri Ramakrishna used to say this, that the pure mind and the pure self are one. The mind gets purified as soon as its worldly characters are destroyed. The pure mind, that is which fully believing in the unity of the self, sees the same Atman in all and deals with them accordingly. A pure mind is simple. It's truthful and straightforward. It's intelligent, sensitive, and reacts to circumstances in a positive manner, and it's not bound by that old conditioning. It responds from inner conviction and clear thinking. He sees the world with pure eyes and has the right knowledge and highest reaction to all events in his life. It's steady. It can see the differences between the real and the unreal. A pure mind rises from the mundane to the divine levels where it sees God in all. It enjoys making all living beings happy. It does not impose on others or seek favors from others. A person with a pure mind lives with awareness of the higher goals of life and fulfills them. There's a story about a king who was said to have a pure mind. Once there was a king named Ranti Devi, and he was loving and generous toward all his subjects, and his mind was very simple and pure. He saw only goodness in everyone. For him, all creation was a reflection of his god, Hari, Krishna. He gave in general donations to the needy, treated the rich and poor and young and old, men or women, all alike. He believed he was made king to and given wealth so that he could serve everybody. He was very popular with his subjects, as you can imagine, and was well known for his ability to solve problems and give perfect justice. Ranti Devi walked the path of bhakti with Sri Hari and performed his daily chores as offerings to the Lord. He was very pure. Once there was a severe famine, and Ranti Devi shared his food in the granary with all. 
He distributed all his wealth to the needy, and he and his family would only eat after everybody else ate. There were days when he and his family went hungry. The famine continued and conditions got worse. He and his family fasted for, it says, 48 days. It's a long time. And someone brought him a bowl of porridge made of wheat flour, sugar, and ghee. Overcome by hunger and thirst, he and his family finally sat down to eat. And an old Brahmin appeared at the door seeking food. And Ranti Devi received him with respect and offered him a portion of the food. As they all sat down to eat again, a beggar appeared at the door, and his face was pinched with hunger, so the king offered him a portion of the food. Then a sweeper appeared at the door with several dogs and bade for food, and the king gave him the rest of the porridge. The king and his family had nothing to eat, so they sat down to have a drink of water. Just then a low-caste man appeared, exhausted, dying of thirst. The king saw in him the form of Sri Hari and offered him water to drink, praying, O Sri Hari, give me strength to help all my subjects. Let me be your instrument in serving everyone. And as soon as the man drank water, he looked refreshed, and surprisingly, all the tiredness, fatigue, and hunger disappeared from Ranti Devi, and he also felt refreshed and rejuvenated. Maya, the elusive power of Hari, appeared in front of him, and she blessed him, offering him vast riches. But his mind was so absorbed in the form of Sri Hari that he refused the wealth as he had no more desires left. Maya disappeared, and the enchanting, effulgent form of Hari appeared. Ranti Devi worshipped him and sought blessings that his mind should always be one with God. He became a great yogi and finally attained perfect salvation. All this was possible to, due to his pure mind his love and service toward his subjects and all living beings. Recently, Sri Ramakrishna took birth on this earth. He was said to be extremely pure, the embodiment of sattva guna. He was so pure that he could feel the pain of others in his own body. Once when someone was being beaten near him, it said that he got the marks of that beating on his own back. And when he was in samadhi, he couldn't bear the touch of anyone except a very pure soul. This is why he kept some people like Rakal, who were very pure, near him. In the meditation mantra for Sri Ramakrishna, we see, Nirupamamati sukshmam nishprapancham nirhiham Gaganasatrishamisham sarvabhuta divasam trigunarahita satchit brahma rupam varanyam bimalaparamahamsam ramakrishnam bhajamaha vitaritum avatirnam jnana bhakti prashantihi pranayagalita chittam jiva dukkha sahishnum Dritasaha samadim chimayam kamalangam 
Srimala Paramaham Samramakrishnam Pajamaha. One alone without parts, pure and still. This Ramakrishna Paramatman Supreme we adore. Subtle, fine, luminous, not even the shadow of the gross can ever reach him, for his purity is without parallel. Untouched by Maya's web of deceit, beyond the dark river of time and desire, vast as the sky, the Supreme Lord, the very essence of Brahman as existence and light, this Ramakrishna, Paramatman Supreme, we adore. Saturated with divine consciousness, his home is in all. He hears every cry. He knows every pain. Under the weight of his compassion, his heart can deny the needs of none. Born to raise the world with teachings of knowledge, love, and peace. Born to bring mankind fresh songs of joy. This certain refuge of all. This Ramakrishna Paramahamsam, the Paramatman Supreme, we adore. When the heart is purified and the mind becomes one-pointed and subtle, pure, one attains the vision of God. Esha sarveshu bhuteshu guto atmana prakashate drishate twakraya buddhya sukshmaya sukshmadarshibhi The atman hidden in all beings reveals itself not to all, but is seen only by the seers of the subtle through their pointed and subtle intellect. This is from the Kata Upanishad. And it is said that that subtle intellect dwells in the heart. That is its center. The vision of God makes all imperfections vanish as the darkness goes when the sun rises. This is the essence of the Gayatri Mantra, where we pray for right understanding and illumination. Again, there is no difference between the purified mind and the true self of God. The mind is pure when it's single, that is, when it's devoted to one object. If you wish to see God, the only way is to get rid of the selfish desires and make your mind single. Try to get rid of the ego by cultivating a sense of oneness with all. Think that you're, no, you're not superior to anyone, that the smallest insect crawling there is just as you are and has just as much right to live. When we lose all sense of separateness, egotism will go, and the mind will become single, pure, and only God will be there. The kaivalya, or the aloneness, which yogis strive for, actually means this singleness, absolute purity of mind and heart. Straightforwardness is considered to be a very great virtues. A man's heart is pure in proportion as he is open and guileless in his behavior. Try always to have a pure mind and holy thoughts. Sahaja, or simplicity, is a sign of this purity. It is purity of heart that is required. 
Everyone will achieve truth in accordance with his temperament when there is purity of heart. Once that is attained, we'll get rid of all desire. If we make our minds pure, the way will be easy, and we shall obtain spiritual bliss comparable to nothing else in this life. Again, Brahmananda says, hold on to the truth. Be pure-hearted. The purer you become, the more your mind will be absorbed in God. Open your heart to him. He will guide you along the right path. There's nothing more purifying than his name and meditating on him. The chanting of the names of God purifies both the body and the mind. If your mind has become pure, you live with pure thoughts. Then no evil can touch you. Unless your heart is purified, God's grace is not revealed. Ramakrishna used to talk about the needle that is covered with mud and how it can't be attracted toward the magnet. The mud of the mind is washed away if one thinks of the Lord and meditates on him and prays to him with a yearning heart. At once the magnet of God will attract the needle of man's mind to him And the moment that mind becomes pure, divine grace will begin to flow. Through this divine grace, God is revealed. A pure mind is like a dry matchstick, he says. It ignites the moment you strike it. But try as you will, you can't light a match that is wet. Similarly, if the mind becomes soiled with worldliness, you'll find it extremely difficult to restore it to its former purity. Feel that you are pure. Believe it. In this way, purity will gradually lift your mind. Goodness and purity must flow through every thought you utter, every word, and every action you perform, through all your behavior and your movements. God is manifest in the hearts of his devotees, his children, And therefore, his home is in the heart of the pure. He stays far away from the impure heart. When our hearts become pure and transparent, when all the impressions of the past have been wiped out, then only will we be able to enshrine him in our heart. One Christian saint said, If you want God to come into your heart, first throw out all the furniture. What did he mean by that? He meant all the other things that we are storing there. This means getting rid of everything that isn't God. The pure mind receives a clear reflection of God. Be pure and tranquil and realize him in this very life. The company of the holy make the heart pure. Reciting the mantra also purifies the heart. Beyond this universe lies that ocean of divine light, and it's through the grace of great souls that we find our way to that light. They help us rise from the lower plane to the higher. Thus we get the inspiration to cross the sea of this material world and move into the ocean of divine light. If, through spiritual practice, one has a vision of one's ishta, Then one sees that the guru and the ishta are identical, and the guru 
is ever established in the temple of the heart. Is there death at any time to the real gurus who are personal persons possessing the knowledge of the absolute? They only cast away the physical body, but they're alive and present always in the subtle body, and they do good to devotees who resort to them. It's also possible to have a vision of them. And how do we know if a person has realized God or not? Here's the test. In the presence of a man of God, spiritual thoughts and spiritual emotions will be evoked in you. In the Vaishnava literature, there's a beautiful passage of the import of which is, Know him to be a man of God, the foremost of devotees, by meeting whom one spontaneously feels like repeating the name of the Lord. Just as in approaching fire, one feels heat. In the same way, one is filled with ideas of God when you meet a person who has had God vision. Many of us have had this experience where you're in the presence of your guru or a holy man, and suddenly you're uplifted and all your questions disappear and you feel like it's coming from you. And when you leave, then you realize, wait a minute, it was dependent on my being near him, but what he was doing was awakening something that was in me. And this is what the real gurus can do. They They uplift your consciousness. Swami Shivananda said, it's only by doing good and selfless work that the mind gets purified. And when the mind is purified, even the slightest suggestion will fill your heart with devotion toward the Lord. That primal energy, the power of Brahman, is beyond the reach of the mind and intellect. She manifests herself in the pure mind. Purity is the foundation of spiritual life. God reveals himself soon in the pure heart. The main thing that counts is to call on him with all sincerity. As you go on calling calling on him and weeping for him, all the dirt of your mind is washed away and you become purified. And then that pure mind will act as a guru to you. You will then get all the answers from within yourself to the questions you may have about what you need to do and what you need to practice. This is when the mind becomes the friend of oneself, as it says in the Gita. Purity and guilelessness should be your watchwords. The master forgives all failings except hypocrisy and self-deception. Purity is the basis of spiritual life. God manifests himself in the pure heart. Bear this in mind. Intense spiritual practice is necessary in order to see the divine in man. Once Sri Ramakrishna asked Swami Sardananda what he wanted, and he replied, I want to see God in all beings. Ramakrishna replied, this is the very last word in spirituality. Steady repetition of the name of God along with meditation will purify the mind. And in a mind that is pure, 
will arise spiritual emotions and feelings, and finally the vision of God. Swami Premananda says, always cultivate pure thoughts. Purity is strength, and purity is God. To live a life that no one may be an enemy to you. In Song of the Sannyasin, Swamiji says, From me no danger be to aught that lives, in those that dwell on high, and those that lowly creep. I am the self in all. Thus cut thy bonds, sannyasit bold. Say om tatsat om. Seek not for the result of your action. This is the teaching of God. Your heart will thus be purified. Know that knowledge, love, and purity belong to your very internal nature. Fame, honor, and glories are foreign to our nature. Don't run after these. Always remember purity and steadfastness to truth make a God out of a man. Be completely pure and hold on to the truth. When the heart is purified, the mind becomes one-pointed, subtle, and pure, and one attains to this vision of God. Ramakrishna was the soul of purity and renunciation. Swami Adbuddhananda tells us, be pure, be pure, be pure. You cannot comprehend God without purity. If you're not pure, you won't realize God, who is the embodiment of purity. In order to serve God, the true master of all, one has to purify their mind. He tells us, sometimes Vishwanath, that is the Lord Shiva, showers his mercy on me. But bear in mind, if you want his grace, you have to lie at his door like a faithful dog. The vision of God does not depend on your will. You have to resign yourself completely. Ramakrishna also says, be wholly surrendered. The moment you can give up everything and know your own nothingness, at that moment, that very moment, God's vision will come and you will be free. You have to go beyond your mind and your senses. Then meditation will come of itself. This is the only way to get the inner vision, the only way to make your mind single and one-pointed. Instead of thinking about yourself, one should think of others, and this leads to a gradual elimination of the unsteadiness of the mind. Purification of mind means nothing but the annihilation of the egocentric idea and the removal of selfishness from the mind. At one point, Swami Vivekananda even went so far as to say, unselfishness is God. The more the mind expands, the more the egotistic ideas are annihilated. When the mind is freed from all impurities, the knowledge of Brahman gets revealed in that pure mind. By serving the lowly and downtrodden as Shiva, the Lord himself, one has one's own heart purified. In the pure heart, the Lord manifests himself of his own accord. In fact, glory pervades everything, but we can't see him because of our nescience. Remove the veil, and you'll find him everywhere manifested. 
Sri Ramakrishna used to give the following explanation to explain the highest state of spiritual realization. Imagine that there are several vessels filled with water, and the sun is reflected in each one. Now break each vessel until only one remains with the sun reflected purely in it. Now you break even that last vessel, and what remains? Someone said, I think it was Girish, said, the sun itself. And Ramakrishna said, no, what is, is. Similarly, the self-luminous Brahman is reflected in the vessels of the mind, the senses, the ego, etc. Break these vessels, one after another, and go beyond the physical consciousness, the subtle body, the causal body, until you reach samadhi. Then you will see God. But here, even in this stage, the sense of separateness still remains. The last vessel has to be broken. Break it, and what remains? Brahman and Brahman alone. Who is there to see whom? Who to describe whom? There's a Sanskrit shloka which says, Yatra yatra manoyati tatra tatra samadaya. Wherever the knower of Brahman puts his mind, there he sees only God, because his heart is pure. He sees God everywhere. Thank you. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.